Welcome to Love in the Love Boat, where we break down episodes of one of the greatest romantic comedy drama television series of all time. I'm Ishvan, Chicagoland's beloved children's musician and TV fanatic. And I'm Michelle, pop culture enthusiast. So come aboard. We're expecting you to join us for another edition of Love in the, the Love Boat. Welcome, you guys. We are officially back. Back on board. Hello, Michelle. How are you feeling? Feeling good. How are you? Feeling grand. Now, Michelle. Yes? Were you prepared for the length of this episode? No, I I didn't realize it was two hours until it was like... <laughs> Like the plot wasn't advancing fast enough, and then I looked at how long it was, and I was like, "Holy cow!" I had the feeling of like when you were a kid and you knew an episode wasn't about to end in time and it was going to be a to be continued, and you're like, "Oh no!" And I was just like, "This is perfect timing," because again, you guys, we're so sorry. So much was happening. I was I was doing back to back shows in all the crazy conditions that I find myself in. Michelle got sick, and so we could not devote ourselves to this episode. But we are here a hundred percent. And that's the thing. I did not want to say anything bad about the episode because I think it's kind of awesome that they did this, you know? Yeah, I think it was cool. I mean, I guess it was like a two-hour special on TV. Do you think that, like, the show just probably, like, did really well, right? Like, the ratings probably were high, right? Yeah, I guess they were just doing, like, a, a treat for everybody or something. And it was because that was the thing. In the beginning, I guess I didn't even notice um, or, or I noticed it, but I didn't really... Uh, understand the significance of the fact that we have four storylines. This is also the first time they showed the actors' faces in the portholes as instead of just their names, oh, wow. which, which we all have come to know and love. Yeah, so this is a major episode. Um, this really was something special. So let me read the four storylines that we have. First off, we have The Eyes of Love, written by Tony Webster. We have Masquerade, written by Louis Pelletier and Marsha Muldoon. We have Hollywood Royalty, written by Ray Jessel. And finally, the special fourth storyline, we have The Caper, written by Gordon and Lynn Farr and Ben Jolson and Art Bear. That is a powerhouse writing team, that's for well, sure. Well, that was like the longest, like, I think that was the one where they showed the most, like, antics and things, so. Yes, maybe let's do this together. I would like to do a big showbiz uh, roll call of who we have because we have quite a few people on this show. So, ladies and gentlemen, we have the guest stars of Desi Arnaz Jr. as Steve Hollis. We have the beautiful Adrian Barbeau as Kathy Randall. We have Harold Gould, Michelle. Yes, as you would know him from many things, but most notably, he was Rose Nyland's boyfriend, Miles. Also, when Wait, who, first... who is that? From what? Golden Girls. Yeah, see, not everyone knows that. I certainly oh, do not. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I thought I said Golden Girls. And also, when I first like liked him as a kid, he was Rhoda's dad. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so he's a heavyweight. Heavyweight sitcom actor. He is playing the, the role very beautifully as Vernon Crowler. Um, we also have Fernando Lamas. You look marvelous. <laughs> as Bill Teague. We have, again... In our world, she looms large. Miss Michelle Lee is back as a Hollywood superstar. And she really is a Hollywood superstar. Yes. Like her already, what, her third time on? Yeah. And she's playing Roz Rogers. That's such a great Hollywood name. We also have Juliet Mills playing the uh, uh, slighted wife, Barbara Danver. And as you know, she's Haley Mills' sister. 
I did not know that at all. She is. I don't know who Haley Mills is, actually. She's like a Disney actress. She's in the movie Parent Trap, where she played twins. Nice. And Juliette Mills is married to um, Matthew Caulfield, who Grease 2 fans would know as Michael. And then the controversy there, that's not even a controversy, but there's literally like a 20-year age difference between the two of them. So good for her. All right, now we have Mr. Dan Rowan from Laughing as Alan Danver. We have John Shuck. Ladies and gentlemen, he constantly plays a tough guy on this episode. He is simply known as Ox. Yeah, and if you saw his face, you would totally, he was like a character actor. You know him. Everything when we were kids. It's not Richard Keel or whatever, it's this dude. Um, we also have R.I.P. He just passed away at the age of like 98. Larry 99, Storch, 99. I read, yeah. He plays the role of Elwood Riggs. It was strange that this episode came up with him not too long after he died. Yeah, it's weird. It's a conspiracy. Something's up. We know someone's responsible for this. It is the chemtrails. We also have Karen Valentine, very, very lovely, as Taffy Martino, my favorite name of all these people. She had that cool Taffy necklace on she the did. whole time. And finally, we have the least known, in my opinion, Miss Stephanie Zimbalist, who was spectacular, quite honestly, on this, uh, as Jenny the Blind Woman. And she really did play this great. She was she was awesome, but she was the person I didn't really like immediately recognize. No. All right, let's kick it, dude. This is, what is it? It's almost a two-hour episode, you guys. Yeah, I suppose they left some time, obviously, for commercials, but... A commercials? Commercials. <laughs> Michelle, post-COVID, she says a lot of words <laughs> different. <laughs> commercials is now commercials. All right, so how does it Picked open, up Michelle? Picked an Italian accent while I was sick. Michelle, who do we have on the on the uh, the the cruise first? Who comes on? Are you is that your Fernando that's Lamas or I Desi Arnaz? It's it's kind of both, but like that's as, as isn't it weird though too that like maybe Desi Arnaz could have played that role? Like there's like a Latin actor that I didn't Cuban. think of that. Oh, whatever. I was obsessed with Desi Arnaz Jr.'s hair. hair. Yeah, that was basically my hair in eighth <laughs> grade. We really like to talk about people's hair on the love boat. I mean, that was my haircut throughout the 80s. <laughs> I mean, seriously, because that's all they would give you. It was like mandatory by law. I think you could only really have that haircut. <laughs> so they, they, everyone's excited on the ship because these two like superstars are about to be on this cruise. Right. And they are coming on really they're supposed to come on just to like relax yeah just like be regular people get away from you know hollywood and all that but they are being obviously followed by paparazzi and michelle like, and fernando Lamas. yes and um they make kind of a big entrance yes And that's it, all right? Yes, after all, this is supposed to be just a quiet little vacation for two. William and I were trying to slip away unnoticed. <gasps> Miss Rogers, is it true the star cashmere cost $1.2 million? Well, actually, originally it cost a million and a half. But you see, my sister works at Tiffany's, so she got that employee's discount. <laughs> so, for some reason, she brings allegedly this million dollar necklace, the star of cashmere. That's such an intriguing name. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and she's wearing it on the cruise ship for some reason. And uh, so that invites crooks to the ship, bumbling crooks. A, a crook crew. It's Taffy Martino, it's Ox, it's Larry Storch, and it is Gould. Uh, they are like a criminal team. And it's like the classic team because um, Harold Gould is like the, he's the ringleader. Then Mastermind. you have kind of like the Daffy blonde. 
you know, but it doesn't make woman. sense. And then, you know, Storch is like the kind of like the the henchman, I guess, for lack of a better word. Does And then Ox is like the dumb, Muscle. strong guy. But it doesn't make sense because you don't really need a strong guy and he screws everything up. I guess it is strictly for the comic relief because I will get to that a little bit later. There's some serious flaws. Uh, yes. <laughs> with the use of Ox and why they would bring someone like him to jeopardize this you know, operation that they are under. But they all come on the ship, and you see sort of like the dynamic between them right away. Ah, thank you, my good man. Here you are, my dear. Careful. There we are. All right, have you got everything? Yeah. All right. One final word. Once we're on the ship, we all act like ordinary passengers. Oh, I thought we were here to steal the diamond. Ah, you promised not to think this time. I am not sailing with that moron. Well, when you can't talk about Cassidy, Fox, will you put him down? Hey, down is that way. <laughs> no, I like these guys, Michelle, because I think you have mentioned one of your like things that you talk about a lot. Uh, you love to talk about Jerry Lewis Telethon. It's True. one of your touchstones in life. It really is. And you also talk about it's a madman <laughs> mad yes. world all the time. I do. And this has that sort of like vibe to it because we like stuff like that. Growing up, you had like Cannonball Run and you had, you know, things like that that had like this crazy crew of people and they are basically delivering that to you in a smaller way. But they all do it great. Larry Storch is outstanding he sure is oh my god i love him on this he's so good and that ghoul dude is great he's, yeah he's, so is so is uh what's her name kathy the woman she's so she's, good she's perfect i mean literally perfect they all are ox is ox is great they all play those roles so campy and so great and again as a kid i would have loved this as an adult i still love it very very <laughs> much so we see those guys and you know that you're in for some antics and fun and then after that we must move on. We have the most dramatic element of the cruise. Who arrives, Michelle? Desi Arnaz Jr. Well, first it is... Oh, yeah, the blind. Stephanie Zimbalist being accompanied by Gopher, and she is blowing his mind with her intuitive skills. Now, this is our purser's lobby, Jenny. It's big. Mm. Where do the stairs lead to? Promenade deck. How did you know that? <laughs> it sounds big. And I can hear the people walking up and down the stairs. That's amazing. If you show me around the ship once, Gopher, I won't have to bother you anymore. Okay. And then I'll let you show me around the ship. I keep getting lost. <laughs> Come on. Let's check with Julie and see if she's got your table assignment for dinner. What's also astounding is that a blind woman would even want to go on a cruise by herself. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. Why? I mean, so weird. It is. It is kind of strange. I mean, I could see if you would go with like a relative or a friend or something, but to completely go on a cruise by yourself blind is just strange. It is because a lot of it is like Visual. seeing things, really. You know, what right? I, mean? I guess you can hear the ocean. <laughs> right. It's not like you're on the beach or anything like that. Uh, it is an odd choice. I didn't think of that. And then coincidentally, yes, her friend from blind. Blind school. Blind school. <laughs> school for the blind shows up, Desi Arnaz Jr. Well, it's kind of amazing because she knows it's him just by the sound of his voice. Right. So then they are like reconnecting after all this time. Yes. And it seemed like they were friends or they had crushes on each other maybe when they were younger. And they make plans to get together. And meet for dinner. And drinks. Mm -hmm. And then she goes off to find her cabin. All by herself. And Desi Arnaz Jr. 
reveals that he can see. Oh. He had an operation. Series of operations. And he like, has perfect sight now. Yes. And he did not, you know, I think he was just kind of like taken aback by by actually, no pun, seeing her. And he did not feel that he could tell her right at that moment. It's actually the first time I've ever seen her. I was born blind. We met at the school. She had her vision until she was 14. And then she lost it. But now you can see. Yeah, a couple years ago, I underwent a series of operations. Oh, that's fantastic. I just couldn't blurt it out. She hasn't been as fortunate. Oh, hey. We understand that. I'm going to tell her later. There are a lot of things I'm going to tell her. Like she's beautiful. And guys, you can't have a mega cruise like this without some sort of infidelity. So... It's kind of like a stressful love triangle. Oh, yes. So the last guests to arrive are Mr. Rowan and his wife. Juliet Mills. He is nervous as can be. And the reason being is I don't know why he sent a wire instead of just called her up. Yeah. <laughs> he sent a wire. When when you're when you're about to go on a cruise and your wife finds the tickets that you had really actually purchased for your mistress, maybe give her a call and tell her that instead of relying on a wire because Cuz everybody in the 80s used wires. I guess so telegrams and wires. Or 70s. Or more what is it? Yeah. So it's just like called her on my CB. Oh yeah, that's true. Connection was bad. Tell her that the rubber duck is like on the cruise. But it's like she he's freaking out because he's very nervous because the wife is on the cruise. Because she found the tickets and thought they were a surprise for him and her to go on the cruise. Yeah, and Adrian Barbeau shows up and he's like, what are you doing here? I sent the wire. And then she's just like, I'm going on this cruise. Yeah. Darling, I'm sorry I'm late. Kathy, what are you doing here? Didn't you get my telegram? What telegram? I wired you last night. My wife found the tickets. She thinks they're for her. She's here. I get left high and dry again. Darling, I'm really sorry. I really am, but you can't come. I'm coming. Look, Alan, I'll buy my own ticket. <laughs> no, you, you don't mean that. I'm staying, Alan. I think it's about time you decided. Who's it going to be? Barbara or me? And guys, with more confetti than you've ever seen in your entire life, we are off to the races. We are on the high seas. Yeah, there's a lot to pack in in this two-hour episode. There really is. So I think, Michelle, we should confront and address the most dramatic element of this cruise, which is Desi Arnaz Jr., uh, the newly sighted Desi Arnaz Jr., and his, his I don't know, not old flame, but like this person that... Old friend. Yeah, old friend, that they get together, and it doesn't take long for him to finally reveal that he has sight. He can see. Yes, Jenny. I see the sunset. I see two sunsets. I see the sunset that's actually out there now. I see an even more dazzling sunset that you've just helped me see. I don't understand, Steve. Jenny, I had an operation after I left school. I have my sight. Steve, that's fantastic. I'm so happy for you. But why didn't I tell you before? I don't know, it's just that... Steve, you of all people, 
stop feeling sorry for me, are you? Are you kidding? Because <laughs> I don't feel sorry for myself. I'm, I'm just glad to be here. To be part of a world where there really are miracles like that sunset. And you're being able to see it. So she seems to be okay with it. Yeah, she. it's a little startling to her. And, you know, you'd imagine, like, what she might be feeling. And I, like I said, I think that she really, really portrays that really well. I think she, that she does some seriously flawless soap opera actressing. Oh, yeah, for <laughs> sure. It's also weird that he's on a cruise just to go to, where is he going, Puerto Vallarta? Yes. But why wouldn't you just fly to Puerto Vallarta? But then I guess you wouldn't run into your old friend from school. Yeah, I don't know. Wow, you really you really <laughs> think about things that just I, don't even... <laughs> I kind of let that stuff go, you know, know what I mean? Because I then there know. would be no show. I know. I would I would be the worst director of the love boat. Because everything would have to be realistic. He just flies. <laughs> They'd be like five hours long and then they would be so boring. No. Your episodes would be five minutes long. It's like no nonsense. It's just done. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I don't know. He, but he did decide. Maybe he's afraid of flying. Your father doesn't like to fly, so maybe he can't so. stand flying. Why can't you think of that? So he can only. I know, don't know. In that one episode, was it J.J. Walker? He was driving everywhere. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you keep <laughs> up with this ship. And all the while, the thing that's happening is he is realizing the feelings that he has for her. Right. This is what's complicating things because, uh, well, I don't want to get to that too soon. Um, but this is this is part of it. Not only this big reveal in his life, but that he is now uh, finding that he is falling in love with her, or that maybe he he always was in love with her. Maybe. Guys, I've already said why I love the love boat. They never leave you on too many heavy things for too long. And right after this revelation, we head to the crooks, and they are in the midst of their quote-unquote, Plan A. And um, the weird thing is, Plan A relies heavily on the dumbest member of the crew, right. Ox. <laughs> like, they have him... Was he dressed as, like, a waiter or as, like, a... And they have him go into the room somehow <laughs> and to lay the bugs into the room. Yeah, he's putting microphones in the room, but screwing it up, as you would imagine. Dropping it in the toilet. <laughs> yeah. So then you hear the toilet. Larry Storch hears the toilet. Right. But they do finally get this established, and it leads to, oh, wait, but first, you know what they do? It's kind of strange. They put the bug in there, but then later, the actor couple make their way to the fake safe door on the ship that I liked. The $6 million man safe door that you have to pretend is like really heavy, but in reality, it's made out of like plastic. And they put this jewel in their little safety deposit box that does not have a lock on it. I would please put this in the box. Yes, sir. Oh, will you come this way, please? Oh. They're putting it in the vault now. They're putting it in the vault. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> not exactly Fort Knox, but not exactly your average piggy bank either. Uh-huh. Well, I'm sure it'll be safe, but if not, back to Tiffany's. <laughs> Sir, 
Right in your box, provenance from 242, safe and sound for the night. Well, I hope so, because if he gets lost, he's going to come out of your salary. Then you better hope I live to be 194. <laughs> the crooks then have to make their way to the part of the ship that is directly above it, which just happens to be what? So, yes, they have to go to the sauna to get to the area where the vault is that keeps the uh, valuables. And they had a lot of clothes on. Yeah. And then, like, it was very hot. Like, it's really hot. And then, like, the, the dude can't turn the, like, one little hose spigot that's in the, in the sauna. That... Oh, yes. Yeah, so he turns it up. No, he doesn't turn it up. He can't turn it at all. And then he calls he Oxen. It. That's the only time that Ox is really actually useful. And then he's too powerful, and then he just rips the whole thing off. So it's just getting hotter and hotter. And they're in there. Sweating. Sweating and drilling with the world's largest drill. It's like super loud. Yeah. And this is the thing that didn't make any sense. They sent, see, like, Taffy Martino, she's the, the, the flirty sort of, like, distraction for, like, the men on the ship. And so she goes to see Gopher in the hallway. And then she gives him a massage right in the middle of the yeah, lobby. Yeah, it's like the captain... It's so weird. It's so inappropriate. He just lay, yeah, he's like a crewman. She told him to lay on his tummy. And, and on gives his tummy. him a massage in the middle of the lobby. Yeah, and then she gets sick of doing that. And then after that, she's like, do you like to dance? So then they start dancing in the hallway, too, or in the, the lobby area, which makes no sense. No, there's no music. Wouldn't you seduce him for real and take him to a room or something like that? Yeah. I mean, that's the way that it would really but actually it work. weird and funny if... You weren't giving a massage in the middle of the cruise ship. I guess that's true. So then these guys are in the sauna, full on, drilling away. And then, like, the guy's very impatient, and, and Larry Storch is warning him, hey, the drill's going to burn out. How's it coming? Just a little more. But the drill is overheating. Don't stop. The drill burnt out, but we got it. Clean as a whistle. Okay, now to get the diamond and make the switch. Yes, so they're through. And this is the stuff I like because then they have all sorts of like tech stuff that I liked when I was a kid. Oh yeah, like the little scope. Yeah, the scope, <laughs> like scopes. And then like the arm thing like your grandfather gave us, the little clip thing. <laughs> yeah. And it opens the drawer. So I loved stuff like this. It knew exactly which drawer it was in. Well, yeah, they, they, they were following the whole thing. They're good criminals on that regard. They just brought dumb ox, which was a big time mistake. So then they, they do that. They pull the, the little safety deposit box open. They grab this giant clowny glass-looking jewel. doesn't even look real. And then they're pulling it up by the little tiny chain. And then all of a sudden, clink, this jewel is too big. They can't get it through the hole that they drilled. Right. And so then Gould says, We'll have to drill another hole. With what? With one of the other ones. You had four special drills made, didn't you? That's right. They were not so bad. Well, then, get them from Ox's bag. Okay, but if I'm not back in a hurry, it's, it's not my fault. Hmm? Ox left his bag in Los Angeles. <laughs> So plan A was foiled, and they move on to plan B, which is one of my favorite things of all time. 
But before we get to plan B. Meanwhile, Michelle Lee and Fernando Lamas are, he's like a director, I guess. And she's the actress. And they're talking about a film that he wants to do. Well, he was an actor too, I think. I think it's just like he was an actor. Maybe he's he's older. And now he's directing. Trying to get into directing and things like that, I believe. Yeah, that's true. I think they make something where he's in it and he's going to direct it. They're arguing because I think she just kind of wants to take a break and relax. And he's pushing for them to do the next movie. And they want to go over, he wants to go over the script. And I think she just kind of wants to be on vacation. Yeah. And they have, Michelle Lee's great. And she really he, is. he was really great too, though, he I thought. Was. And they're, they're having like, sort of like, it's kind of cool because they're showing like that they are of Hollywood and they are of like another sort of like uh, class of people in a way because they have a lot of money, they have fame, they have all these different things. But they are trying to show like how they're having sort of typical problems that couples would have. Right. But they do it in kind of a, a fairly funny way. Oh, William, do we have to do this picture? Listen, love, we owe it to our art. We owe it to our public. We owe it to our industry. And trust me, we owe it to our jeweler. <laughs> well, if I'm going to do it, we'll just have to rewrite the opening scene. No, it's very powerful. Now just visualize it. Huh? We open with a big close-up of you as an old head. Then we cut to me, a young, handsome cavalry officer driving a white stallion. I fight a few battles, have a few love affairs, a couple of soliloquies, and then back to you. Big close-up of your hand, your fingers tapping, tapping nervously as you think about me. Then a tight angle of your ear as you listen to me Galloping, galloping away into the sunset. Huh? And then a close up of my foot as I kick you in the rear. Please, dear, don't be of a close mind. Oh, Bill. <laughs> Look, why, why don't we just, let's leave it to the director, okay? That's good thinking. Who is the director? Well, funny you should ask. Not you. And why not? I think I have a pretty good idea where to put a camera. I have one suggestion. <laughs> So this, this, in a way, I think is really cool because you're thinking of this as just sort of like a trivial thing, but they have like this really interesting through line in this, in this story, really, that you only find out in, until the very end, which I think this long episode, they did, there were a couple crazy moments where it was like filmed haphazardly, it seemed, mm. in the bar and during uh, a little bit later. But as far as like their storyline, it kind of connects everything ultimately at the end, which is actually kind of really cool, True. you know? But you go from this marital issue to another. Another marital problem. The uh, the couple who who he double booked his wife and mistress on a cruise ship. It's going to happen. Yeah, sure. Um, turns out that the wife is some kind of textile designer and so is the mistress somehow. Like He was the lawyer in her divorce, Adrian Barbo's divorce. That's how they Do met. Do you mean coquette casuals? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. I did not catch the name. And wild weaves? Yes. So they both have that in common. So the women are bonding yeah. and forming this friendship. And Much to his dismay. Yeah, because like he's in the middle. He's about to have a heart attack. While they're getting along and having a great time together. Yeah, they, they they do hit it off completely with one another. And, you know, during this, because of that, Adrian Barbo starts to realize... Uh, this is a nice woman, and I... I much different what than what you... What am I doing you, here? Yeah. Very smooth. You'll give away your whole show. Me? 
How about you parking yourself under her nose for 24 hours a day? Ellen, I know it seems strange, but when I came on this ship, I thought of Barbara as the enemy. Now that I know her, I really like her for a friend. Yeah, well, she's a great girl. I don't understand. If you feel that way about her, why did you start up with me? Well, you're a great girl, too. I see. The more the merrier. No, no. It's just something's been missing with Barbara and me. Been missing for a long time. Sex rears its ugly head. No, I mean, I mean, I mean, just sitting around and talking, hanging out together. I've been married to Barbara for seven years, and I don't know who she is. Do you have any idea who I am? You are a sweet, warm, wonderful person who listens gives and cares. No. I'm your ex-mistress. So now that she's broken up with him or ended the affair because she is enjoying the company of his wife, it's 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 now he's losing his mistress. Yeah, he um, has a whole other set of problems that he wasn't even prepared for. Right. Now comes probably one of the greatest parts of this episode. What is that, Michelle? Where um, Harold Gould, they want to get into the vault. They're just going to go to the vault themselves. So Harold Gould disguises himself as as Captain Stuvey. Well, that's the thing, you guys. He's in the bathroom, and they're all deciding, you know, like, what's going to happen. He has not revealed to the crew that this is what Plan B is. And so he's in the bathroom, and he's like, prepare to see my genius and then he steps out of the bathroom. It's totally... It's it's the most lifelike disguise I've ever seen. You know what I mean? It man? almost looks as if Gavin McCloud was playing... It's so Harold awesome. Gould dressed as Gavin McCloud. That he's playing another guy playing him. <laughs> it's just... Honestly, it kind of freaks me out. Like, it kind of <laughs> twists my brain around, seriously. Because Gavin McCloud plays it so seriously that he's this guy... And it's so fun that the disguise is so accurate because it looks exactly <laughs> like Gavin McCloud. Ox is completely confused by the whole thing. Correct. I'm confused by oh the whole God. thing. Oh, my God. It's so awesome. And then this is wherein the trope of all time, laryngitis, comes into play <laughs> because he can maybe make the disguise, but he can't necessarily like uh, replicate his voice. And he goes down to have Gopher open the uh, safe and uh, because he's saying that, you know, he has something else that he needs to put in there. Right. And this gets tense. I had to turn it off at this point because it was so tense. <laughs> because he goes down there, and then here, to prove that it's him, uh, he did something that was actually pretty funny. All right. Here we go. All right, boss. Good luck. Thanks. Hi, Kevin. Smith. Captain. Boy, that was a short tour. Uh, yes. All she did was talk about you. Oh, really? What's the matter with your voice? The laryngitis. Just got it. Well, it's kind of nice, sir. Makes you sound like Robert Redford. <laughs> With laryngitis. <laughs> uh, look, uh, a passenger asked me to put this in the vault for her. Will you open it for me, please? Yeah. 
Before I open the vault, can you prove your captain's tubing? Open the vault or you are fired. That's good enough for me. The real Gavin McCloud starts to come downstairs. He was with Taffy or whatever her name was. Yeah. Because she was trying to distract him. But you think that he's gone, but he comes back really fast. Like, it happens really quickly. So they're hiding. The, the fake captain is hiding while the real captain. And then Gopher's completely confused because his voice is back to normal now. Good morning, Mr. McCoy. Good morning, sir. Gopher? Gopher? <laughs> Weren't you just behind me? What do you mean, just behind you? I finally got rid of Miss Martino. I told her I was going up to the bridge. Lord, how I hate those guided tours. Hey, your voice is better. Better than what? What do you mean your laryngitis? It's gone. I never had laryngitis. Not even as a kid? (laughs) Smith, what is going on? Well, sir, excuse me, I'm a little confused. Didn't you just ask me to open the vault so you could put a jewelry box in it? No. Now, sir, you asked me to come in here and open the vault. But you were talking like this. I was talking like that. No, like this. There can be only one explanation. Gopher, you're working too hard. Uh, There's got to be another explanation. At some point, though, Gavin McLeod or Captain Steubing catch a glimpse of Harold Gould, so he starts to follow him. Because he, yeah, he he like sneaks out the door when they go into the into the safe, and then he's on the elevator just trying to play it off, and he catches yeah, a glimpse of him with his striking blue eyes. Right. He sees him, and he's completely like startled and confused, and then he he makes chase after him like by foot up the stairs to try and find him, and sees him again. And then he thinks that, like, I don't know what he thought. What did he think? Like, that he was losing his mind? Yeah. So the crew (laughs) all gets together for a high-powered meeting on, like, the deck of the ship. So it's, like, super windy. Because Gavin McCloud kind of figures out that somebody's trying to steal this diamond. Yeah, he's smart. He's a good captain. Of course he is. I tell you, it's frightening to look up and see your own face like that. Of course, it's more frightening for some of us than others, sir. Now, why would someone pretend they're me? Maybe they wanted to yell at me. Well, sir, we are having a masquerade party tomorrow night. My guess is somebody's trying out their costume. Yeah, some people don't care how crazy they look at those things. (laughs) No, no, it's more than that. You know something, sir? I knew something was fishy when you came down to the vault and had laryngitis, and then a second later, you didn't. The vault. That's it. Someone is trying to steal the Star of Cashmere. Hey, I never thought of that. That's why I'm the captain. I want security tightened around that vault. Nobody gets in without a darn good reason. Right. I want a guard placed on Miss Rogers' door. Right. I want all of you to keep your ears open in case we can get a line on that thief. Right. And whenever Miss Rogers wears that necklace, I want somebody on top of her. Right. Just don't let the passengers know what's happening. I don't want to tip the thief that we're on to. Right. I found this clip to be this part to be really funny, and I literally laughed out loud with all the insults going around. And they were very good. So anyway, now they're all wise to this. 
Yeah, that was another cool thing because they were doing it with humor, but they were really like, it was making a turn of like, it was very Fantasy Island, this part. But this was like a shift to where now everybody had to be on alert and really keep their eye on this jewel. But they didn't want to alert the the passengers. They didn't want to freak anybody out. Yeah, you wouldn't want to call the authorities. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you, you don't. You handle it yourself. There has to be some kind of security on a cruise ship, wouldn't there? Doc. <laughs> that's why you put him in front of the door like he's out there just kind of like hanging out well and then okay so then they go through the plan and then you know captain's like don't don't say anything and then immediately immediately go, go for, for tells <laughs> go the for... criminals what's going on yeah, he spills the beans like, to that the criminals gave me so much anxiety <laughs> they couldn't believe that he just did that right away like right away well because he's like you know in love with Taffy Martino. So, it's so they like immediately you, know what's up. That's why you bring Taffy Martino. It, 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 it disarms you. It disarms a man. He's, he's, he's you still like, didn't have to tell them what was going on. No, you do. You have to. You have to tell them. <laughs> and well, he the did. The captain said, don't tell anybody. He did. The worst part of the whole ship is when the blind woman and Desi Arnaz Jr. were swimming in mold pool, like when they're both <laughs> swimming around in there. That yeah, was, that pool never looks good. That pool is the worst thing. I would rather dive into a swamp filled with, I don't know, with like <laughs> Gosh, raw you watch sewage. all those videos now of cruise ships, and the pools are oh. like spectacular. Everything looks insane. On Have we been invited yet to be on a cruise? Pacific Princess. I can't believe that we have not been invited yet to do this I'm show live. you. On a cruise, we're part of something like that, like, I don't know, like a comedy cruise or something like that. Hey, at some point, this has got to happen, maybe for the finale, episode 24. Live broadcast. Yes, Christmas cruise. I'll swim in a mold pool. I don't care. (laughs) Yeah, that pool is not, and they use it all the time. Well, speaking of them swimming in a mold pool, (laughs) shortly after this, he's getting sad because he has to get off and... Where are they in Puerto Vallarta? Because she says it like that, Puerto Vallarta. <laughs> and she's very smart. And because she has lost one sense, everything else is super heightened on her because yeah. she knows everything. And she realizes that he's leaving because why? To meet somebody else. Another woman. His fiance. And that's true. And he says, I'm engaged. Jenny. I love you. Now, there's a coincidence. But... But... It has to do with Puerto Vallarta, doesn't it? You're seeing a girl there. I'm engaged to her. That was before this happened. Steve... This never happened. Jenny. Jenny. Let me walk into my own walls. But what, wait, what happens though? Like he says that and he's got to get off and it's just like, does he reveal that he... Because doesn't he come back? He does come back. I mean, he does. And then I just he don't tells re- her then that like he broke it off. Come in, Jenny. Why did you come back? I broke my engagement to that girl. You made a mistake. The only mistake I made was getting engaged to her in the first place. You're crazy. You could have a normal, happy marriage with that girl. What makes you think that marrying a girl who can see guarantees a happy marriage? How come millions of couples with 20-20 vision get divorces? 
besides, I love you. I don't love you. I like you very much. But I don't love you. If I believed that, do you think I would have come back here? I know you love me. It, it couldn't work, Steve. Now, goodbye. Jenny. Goodbye, Steve. Yeah, so Steve comes back, and then he pulled that smooth move where, like, cheap he shut trick. the door. Yeah, man. She kept saying cheap trick. That's right. It was pretty good, though. It was pretty pretty sweet to watch that just to he see if she... to leave, but doesn't leave. Yeah, to see if she sobs or not to prove that she really does love him. But it's like she really is, like, going through a lot of traumatic stuff, thinking that, you know, this is wrong because he's just feeling sorry for her. Right, because she's and, still blind. Yeah. So this one is, it's intense, and and again, I thought that this one was a very good storyline. I think the way that yeah. they were handling this with this sort of like problem, um, two people seeing each other again after a long time, the complication of he has already, this poor other woman that he just calls the other girl. He doesn't even mention her <laughs> by name. That poor girl is back in Puerto Vallarta crying her eyes out. Missing that head of hair. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's like the way that they were drawing this story out was actually, I thought, really very good. And again, this woman's acting was excellent but you know what i can't handle too much of that type of thing no, because get to the comedy that's exactly right i'm emotionally like sort of like you know juvenile and i need the <laughs> comedy i need larry storch and some you know like boxer shorts i need something quick no isn't this now the part where they're gonna go into the room this is ridiculous this is so dumb because again my favorite thing still People crawling through vents. Okay, so A, they're crawling through vents, but they were, do you know they were wearing all black? Don't gloss over but people in vents. Cool. Gigantic vents that fit two full-grown <laughs> two men. I guess right, and they don't ship. fall through? No, they're not too heavy. What about to... Legionnaire's disease? That's how it goes, through the vents. What? <laughs> you can catch Legionnaire's disease. Oh, I didn't know that. Ship. Wow. Yeah, so A, it's wide enough for both of them to fit in. B, <laughs> they're all in black. Why? I don't know. But not only are they all in black, but their shirts are tucked in with belts and they almost have like dress shoes on. So they're like they're like nicely dressed criminals in black. I didn't notice any no? of that. No. So like why do they have to be dressed in black? I don't know. I think black staves off Legionnaire's disease, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> but at the same time, the thing that I couldn't you're get just over you're crawling through a vent. So what was it hang on. what you're wearing? So they open the giant vent really loudly because Ox is an imbecile. Michelle Lee and what's his name? Lorenzo Lamas? What's his name? 
Fernando. Fernando Lamas. Oh, because he had just had the talk at the bar. With... Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. He gives great advice. Hang on, we got to go back. Go back to the bar. Isaac's hooking up these two men with drinks because they're both having wife issues. Uh, Rowan. Yes. Sam Rowan. And Fernando Lamas gives very good advice to the man. You know, for a big star, you're not a bad guy. Yeah, you'll go downstairs and tell my wife that. Got wife problems of my own. Oh? That mm. uh, brunette I saw you with last night? No. She's my mistress. The blonde is my wife. They're both a boy? They say Hollywood people are white, huh? <laughs> not my idea. I'm just a simple guy trying to make both ends not meet. <laughs> Look, I, uh, I don't want to give you any advice, but... Uh, I've had my share of women. And, uh, From what I've read, you've had everybody's share. <laughs> Maybe so. But you know, at this stage in my life, I've learned something. If you're lucky enough to find someone who loves you, who stick by you for more than a night here, a week and there, try your best to work it out. That's pretty good advice. Yes, it is. And I'm going to follow it. See you around. Huh? And then after that... He decides to take his own advice. That's right. And he goes back. Michelle Lee is completely in a bathtub, in a gross bathtub on this <laughs> yeah, ship. bubble bath in a cruise ship. In that gross yeah. ship. that You can only imagine how disgusting and germ-filled that thing is beyond the mold pool. And she's got all <laughs> bubbles on her. And he comes in, and then they kind of have like this nice little reconciliation because he brings the rose back that the yeah, other yeah, woman yeah. left on the table. And then he's like... May I join you? In a tiny tub. Tiny tub. Like he's got a squeeze where it squeaks real loud. <laughs> and he slides. He is in. small. I guess. But then they're laughing like they're playing in a pool together. Like you can overhear them. Like they're just laughing like they're having the greatest time. And then they're crawling through the vent, the criminals. And they're dress criminal wear. Yeah. And they're in their confirmation clothes to, to, to like steal this jewel. But the thing that I couldn't get over is why would the old guy drop that's Ox what I was down. wondering, too. Ox probably weighs twice what he does, and he's an idiot. Why wouldn't the strong guy hold the smart guy to go into the room to steal the jewel? Or, you know what? Wh- who wrote this one? Hang on. Larry Storch could have gone down and done it quicker. He's Gordon little. and Lynn Farr, Ben Jolson and Art Bear, how dare you? Because that... Even for comedic purposes, it makes no sense whatsoever. They could have had, like, Ox screw it up by, like, dropping him on the floor. But he did it so easily, lowered him down and pulled him back up. Not easily. He had some trouble. That's why he hit the floor, because he couldn't. And then when he pulled him up, it was like he had strength of, like, the Hulk or something like that. (laughs) But the fact that he let the dumb guy down when the dumb guy's stronger, it didn't make any sense whatsoever. And, of course, he goes to grab the Star of Kashmir, and he drops both of them. So then he doesn't know because they're going to replace it with a fake one and take the real one. How'd they make a perfect replica of the Star of Kashmir, too? Who, well, who's always doing in that those like you? shows. Like it was always like in the newspaper. This is a- my any only kind of like like heart to heart or any of those shows. Anytime there was like a fancy jewel coming to town, it was always pictured in the paper. Hey, you know what this one lacked this episode now that I'm thinking of it where there's laser beams. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess the the safe should have had laser beams. Laser beams. And then you have to like have special glasses, and then you walk through the laser beams. That was another famous thing all the time. I always loved when somebody was trying to walk through the laser beams. <laughs> they didn't have that on this one. But this was the only part I did not like about the cruise. I give them a lot of leeway, obviously. Everyone knows that about me. I am very forgiving when it comes to the love boat. But this I found unacceptable. Um, so he drops the thing on the floor. 
They're back in the room thinking they've got it. Ox comes back. It can cut glass. <laughs> I like the way he said that. Like, all proud. Look how it shines. Look how it sparkles. Here in my hand, friends, a bauble that will make four people's lives secure. A ruby has fire, an emerald has depth, but a diamond outshines them all. Pure, brilliant, hard. Hard enough to cut glass. Watch as I put my signature to the end of a perfect crime. when it like dramatically crumbled in his hand and then they, they show the close-up of his hand and it's all crumbled and he's so furious it's so great it's so awesome and uh so they realize that plan c now we are on plan c if you're keeping track has been a failure as well plan d will take place during julie's masquerade party oh that's right why was there a masquerade party though? I don't get it. That was they just... always have a themed something, you know. It's a hoedown or okay. The oh, ma- but prior to the masquerade party, uh, Juliet Mills and Adrian Barbeau are talking on the ship, and she needs. Was it a lighter for her cigarette? It was a cigarette. She had a cigarette in her hand. Everyone's smoking back then, so, so yeah, she, she needed takes, to be. Goes to, and it takes starts taking things out of her purse to look for a lighter, and a photo comes out. Juliet Mills picks up the photo. And She's lucky like, it wasn't a more racy Polaroid. She had a Polaroid just like in her purse that, uh, that like she like puts out on the table and then the woman grabs for it and it was what? Uh, Adrian Barbeau and her husband on a cruise or somewhere, Hawaii. Hawaii. Or, Hawaii, because Juliet was too busy to go. That's what we find out. Juliet Mills, she's engrossed in her work at Wild they Weaves. They almost punished her for being a, a, like a, just a driven, successful businesswoman. So she sees the photo, and then she takes off, and then Adrian Barbo goes after her, and they have like a... Well, she realizes, she realize, uh Juliet Mills realizes, oh, I'm the woman, because in the very beginning, I don't know if we touched on that, when she first met them, he freaked out. She, she, Adrian Barbo came up to them to introduce him, like, Alan, oh, and then she said that she was supposed to be on the cruise because Juliet asked her, why are you here on your own? She's like, I was supposed to be on here, but his wife found out. And so then now she's saying, I'm the wife, oh, you yeah. know? So it's like they, they tied those two things together. And Adrian Barbeau plays this very well. And she, she does. She's, she's, she's a good actress. Yeah. She was um, concerned and understood how hurt she would be. And then she comes up with a plan for her at the masquerade ball. Well, she also tells her that it's over. You oh, know yeah. I mean? She yeah. explains to her that, more that, importantly, you know, uh, she had she had told this to him. And their plan, though, is to see if he is really worthy of her. Trickery. Kathy, I've been doing a lot of thinking on this cruise. I don't want to hurt you. You're a wonderful girl. But I think I'm a barber. I know I love Barbara. I couldn't stand to lose her. She's my wife. And she's my life. I'm sorry, but it is over with us. No, I'm serious. I mean, 
I knew there were things wrong with the marriage, but I should have talked it over with Barbara. I guess I was scared she wouldn't listen, so I never gave her the chance. I mean, how's she supposed to know what I need if I never tell her? I'm doing it again. The things I'm telling you, I should be telling her. You are. It is you. Yep. Then you, uh, know about everything. Yes, Alan. Barbara, I've been such a jerk. Yes. And so have I. And dressing up like this was crazy, but... Finally got to know you. Barbara, can you ever forgive me? Let me tell you in mind. And so for those guys, it basically wraps those guys up. Yes, you know what I mean? He did prove that he still loves his wife. Yeah, and then Desi Arnaz Jr. and uh, Stephanie. So then they're talking, and she she overheard uh, Lorenzo Lamas, not Lorenzo, Fernando Lamas. Renegade was on the show. <laughs> Michelle Lee talking about how they're going to buy this yacht and have all this crew. And then she says to Desi Arnaz Jr. Don't ever let me get like that. Yeah, where, where you buy your love. And they overhear her. And they so really, really it took really it to heart. It really hits home, man. Yeah. Like, Wow. Now, speaking of the couples that were dealt serious problems and had things to work through, Desi Arnaz Jr. has made a lot of efforts to prove to her that he really does love her. And I mean, he really did. He broke up with this other person. Right. Um, he, he was nothing but kind. And then finally, after that, see, they didn't just get to that. It took a little while for them to get to it. He sends, because it I don't know that we ever said it, like her favorite flower is a rose. Right. He sends... Like what, four dozen, six dozen yeah. roses to her room. And then she goes to his room and she has finally realized that this is the real deal. Jenny. Steve. Um, please um listen to what I have to say. Last night I acted like a fool. I was wrong. Um, I love you, and I know you love me. I do want to marry you, and if you still feel the same way, I'll be waiting in my cabin. Uh, I'm going now. Jenny, you're crazy. <laughs> How come that cheap trick didn't work for me? <laughs> And they are now together. And I thought that that was really, really nice. Yeah. So then quickly, they do not jump in a bathtub together because they're normal human beings. Huh. And they get dressed up as what? We don't know what the girl is. I forgot. I have to see it again. She's a criminal. <laughs> like a prisoner. Old school prisoner with the stripes. Right. And they head down to the big masquerade. Oh, she was justice. Oh, God. Because she had the scales. Stretch. 
All right. She did, She looked pretty, but it's like not maybe the best costume on the ship. Well, because then they went together, justice and a criminal. There you go. And so, well, she could have been a cop. It would have been good if she was a cop. But like, they go to this big masquerade ball. And then Plan D goes into effect. The brilliant Plan D of turning the lights off. And then grabbing the necklace off her. <laughs> yeah. But in reality. In the melee, in the confusion, <laughs> in the darkness, they should have had like night vision goggles on. Yeah. Larry Stewart should have brought those in his bag. He did not, though. Gould, mad grabs. Like, it would have been different that, like, Captain Meryl Steubing's body is different than Well, Michelle and, like, a body. metal medallion with points on it is a lot different than a smooth diamond. He grabs the wrong thing. He grabs, grabs the costume jewelry that's on Captain Steubing's costume. They go off to the deck of the ship to celebrate and realize they're on Easy Street now, and he realizes he grabbed the wrong thing. So this time he messed up. Right. But it's just their luck that the two superstars... Leave the dining room, conflicted by this sort of encounter they've had with this intuitive, wise, blind woman. And then they start talking to one another about what is important in life. Yeah, not material things. Thinking what I'm thinking? Yes, that blind girl. We need a character like that in the movie. Touch of reality. It's not the movie that needs reality. It's us. Yes, I'm afraid they're right. What are we doing this movie for, anyway? We have all the money we'll ever need, all the material possessions. We have so much she has. Who? Nothing. Everything. Everything that matters. Humanity, warmth, love. We could have love, Bill, if all these things didn't get in the way. I don't want things. I want us. What do you want to do with that? Throw it in the ocean. Well, so she throws the necklace into the ocean and the criminals are just so upset. As well, they should be because the thing was supposed to be a million and a half dollars and she tosses it into the ocean like we don't need this anymore. But at the end, we do find out. Yeah, what? It's a fake. See, that doesn't make any sense, though, because like they're saying we don't need this anymore, and it's supposed to be dramatic that they're throwing it into the ocean. It's so what's symbolic. Signif- All right. <laughs> See, that's what I didn't well, understand. Well, she wouldn't really throw... I mean, it, it's like you're upset because you're like, oh my God, she threw this million dollars. But then it makes sense that she threw it into the ocean because you wouldn't throw a million dollar necklace into the ocean. So there never was a real necklace on the ship? No. She left it in the vault in their bank, as they explained, and that was just costume jewelry. But they are going to auction off the necklace. Well, it was wonderful having you aboard. Thank you. And I didn't mind losing my shirt to save your jewel. Oh, the diamond? We threw that overboard. What? It was a fake. The real one is in the vault in our bank. Couldn't take a chance of having it stolen. Oh, I don't blame you. If I owned a rock like that, I'd hold on to it with both hands. <laughs> I used to think that, too, but holding on to it really doesn't give you that much happiness. It's a bigger kick to let it go. That's right. We're donating it to charity. I understand there is a school for the blind, and that's wonderful work. Well, goodbye, Julie. Captain. Goodbye. Hope to see you again. Goodbye, Captain. Bye. See you in the movies. <laughs> Bye. 
wrapping up. Yeah, this is why I thought that it was cool with their storyline, because their storyline was sort of like Hollywood people, just kind of a relationship where you think it is more of like the Sherman Hemsley sort of like yeah. um, on Esther type of a thing. But in reality, it does have this through line through the through the whole thing and ties these other relationships together because he gives good advice to the other husband. Yeah, they really did tie like all the, 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 the storylines cool. together this time more so than they ever have. Did we wrap up the criminals? So they're leaving the ship, too, and they're like, where's Ox? And then uh, this doesn't make any sense. It was so random. That he was rich? Yeah, Isaac's like, his driver came and picked him up and took him to his home in Colorado. I didn't understand. Like, And then like, then he says, plan E or whatever, like, meaning they're, they're going to go rob, rob him. him. So all of a sudden, the, so why would he be doing crimes if he's rich? Because he's a sociopathic weirdo. It's like that people like so that weird. do. That's such a weird plot twist. For like a thrill in life. Like you just do crazy things like so that. So anyway, he's wealthy. They determine he's wealthy and that's what they're off to do next. See, you know what I thought was going to happen? Is that now you have to, th this screws up the whole we're going to donate to the blind and all of that. This like nice, nice ending that they did. That Ox was really smart the whole time. And that he was just playing dumb. And he, in reality, is the richest of them all already, right? They're not rich, but, like, he is. And that he gets dropped into the room and then pretends that he got the wrong jewel. But in reality, he pocketed the good jewel. And then he gave those guys the fake jewel, right? He gives them—he had another one. So he gives them a fake jewel, leaves a fake jewel in the thing. So when they throw it overboard, it's fake. You, you never—you know, I like— know what you're saying. And like in reality, they really threw like they think they threw like the million and a half thing. And that proves their love to one another. That's pretty profound if that was really the case. And that he left the ship early with the actual jewel. You know mm. what I'm saying? That, that would have actually. Yeah, that would have been a cool. Right. Yeah. Not that we should have been writing these. <laughs> we were only what seven years old. <laughs> Ugh, we really missed out because I think we could have done some good work on primetime television in the 1970s I constantly have sean cassidy on as a guest star <laughs> you're always pushing for sean <laughs> Cass he's on cassidy. well they, they had people come on over David and over again sean cassidy you could have <clears throat> seven-year-old at a meeting demanding <laughs> <Sean> <laughs> awesome. well i think for a two-hour episode it went by pretty quick yeah and I mean, uh it was it was spectacular action-packed I think that it's amazing that they took that much stuff and that length of time and pulled all that together in actually kind of a more coherent way than like even a regular episode was. Yeah, because usually they don't intertwine all the episodes like that. And they all like they did. It was just like it was like a movie, like yeah. a movie, basically. It really was cool. And, and the way that like the storylines intersected and stuff like that and still kept it fun and lighthearted and crazy and campy. I mean, this was... These guys went for it, man. And like the fact that they pulled this off like midway first season is kind of impressive and went crazy. For it. Aaron Spelling went for it. Aaron Spelling, man. All right, you guys, we hope you enjoyed this as much as we did. We're so glad to be back. I'm glad Michelle's feeling better. More to come. Obviously, episode 16 with, <laughs> we're looking at it right now, our main man, Scatman Crothers. It's going to be a good one, I bet. I think we are in for something really, really good. So be sure to join us here next time. But until then, I am Ishvan. I'm Michelle. Captain Stubing, Captain Stubing, please come to the bridge. And we are Loving, Loving the, the Love, Love Boat. Boat.